Well, the good old United States of America achieved yet another uh, breakthrough in its quest to be the greatest country in the world uh, just a few days ago when it became apparent that the next press secretary was going to be a woman, a black woman, and an LGBTQ woman. Never happened before in history. That make you happy and proud? On some level, it makes me happy and proud, but I don't see why we're crowing about it, to be honest with you. I mean, the space race is kind of over. I remember, okay, first man in space, that's cool. First man in orbit, yes. First landing on the moon, absolutely. First two-man crew, eh. first three-man crew, okay. Now, the Democrats are at the point where they're advocating, they look at the progress we've made. This is the first lesbian to remain in orbit for more than three months. It's just, it's just a little tired. It doesn't mean that much anymore. By the way, uh, Democrats, uh, specifically you, Joe Biden, Condoleezza Rice was Secretary of State 17 years ago. And unlike your current press secretary, Condi Rice can think on her feet. She was subjected to an endless series of hostile questions and answered them with the smooth professionalism of somebody who knows what they're talking about. Here's a little clip uh, from a recent question. Uh, Peter Ducey asked uh, the new press secretary, whose name is uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. We have our own professional Karen now telling the country what Karine, telling the country what to do. Uh, but she was asked about a tweet that Joe Biden had made saying that we have to raise taxes on the rich in order to lower inflation. And uh, Peter Ducey ask the reasonable follow-up question. I won't subject you to the whole thing, just enough to get a flavor of it. Corrine, uh, congratulations. Thank nice you. to see you up there. Thank you. Uh, the president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm -hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Um, so... Are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do, and uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know, build an America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind, that is an important part uh, of that as well. But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans. So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well, right, especially those who care about climate change, uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation, and not let this, this, that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex existential problem, if you think about that as an example. That wasn't a tremendously impressive performance for reasons I'll get to in just a second, but let me just say in defense of Karine um, Jean-Pierre that this is not an easy job, especially when the president is Joe Biden. If Joe Biden had tweeted that the energy source of the future will be unicorn tears and the press secretary has to say something other than uh, he just, just kind of lost his mind. That's insane. That doesn't make any sense at all. 
it's not an easy thing to do to try to justify or explain the tweets that Joe Biden made, and Peter Ducey, to his endless credit, wouldn't let her get away with it, because as it turns out, taxing the rich essentially has nothing to do with inflation. Put that aside for a second. Her predecessor, Jen Psaki, was very good at her job, and she was good at her job because she could basically backpedal and use prestidigitation, but she didn't have to read notes in order to do it. Jen Psaki was a kind of a natural-born liar, and uh, when she was put on the spot, she had the good sense to say, you know, let me circle back to you on that. Looking back on, on, uh, on Jen's tenure as press secretary, all I can think about is all of those, you know, poor, orphaned, lonely, cold questions that are sitting out in the rain waiting for her to circle back on. They'll never be circled back on now, never. It's heartbreaking, really, when you think about it. By the way, whenever you hear anybody say something like that, let me get back to you, that means either they don't know the answer, and that's a perfectly honorable place to be. I don't know. Uh, could you explain what the president means by this? Actually, I don't understand what that means. Or can you tell us something about the relationship between inflation and taxes? Actually, no, I, I'm really not qualified to talk about that. Admitting you don't know anything is a, is, is a tremendous sign of, of confidence in yourself. I know everything, fortunately. But it is what it is. It's not an easy job, and uh, she doesn't seem to be doing it very well. And the reason that she seems to be so awkward right out of the gate is because she is immediately forced to go to her notes and she hasn't yet developed a skill or at least had time to memorize the talking points that would enable her to respond and deflect the questions with confidence. When your press secretary has to look down and read a prepared statement about a tweet and the prepared statement has nothing to do with the question, oh, that looks bad. That's the problem, you see, is that, is that Corrine can't really think on her feet. Again, it's not her fault. Her job is to justify what Joe Biden said. Joe Biden can't think on his feet either, and neither can Kamala Harris. Here's Kamala with the latest of her uh, magnificent pieces of, of uh, oratory to inspire the nation. That is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. With that, I thank you all. This is a matter of urgent priority for all of us, and I know we will work on this together. Uh, here's Joe Biden talking about uh, kleptocracy from just a few days ago. In addition to this supplemental funding, I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their, take their, their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah kleptocracy and klep the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> to continue the uh, honor roll of glory, let's listen to uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. No, I think we're all pretty good. 
We're all pretty good. It is, you know, again, there's a, a, a um, people see things. We, we want planes for you, you, Ukraine. You know, in other words, it's all about time. This is not, it, what is, may come as, as, as news to someone is that, yeah, when you t subtract money, money is subtracted. I don't have a lot of material on Dianne Feinstein because Dianne Feinstein has been basically kept locked away. Pretty much common knowledge that her mental deterioration is so great that she can't even be put in front of a camera to read off a teleprompter as uh, Joe Biden does and, and does badly. So all of this uh, lack of being able to think on your feet, lack of being able to respond to a spontaneous question got me to thinking. And the first thought I had was, you know, when you get right down to it, if you're, if you're going to be able to think on your feet, I think the primary requirement for that would be that you've got to be able to think. And none of these Democrats can do this because none of them can think, to be perfectly honest with you. And now we come to the main point of this particular essay, which is, has the United States of America ever, ever had such an overwhelming number of key high-level officials that were complete idiots or mentally incompetent. Has, has that ever happened before? I'm not aware that it has. But the president has to be told where to stand by the Easter Bunny. The vice president probably believes in the Easter Bunny. The Speaker of the House has seen the Easter Bunny on many occasions uh, between her glasses of fine wine, and we go all the way down the list. Has there ever been a time in American history where the people who are making decisions on behalf of us for the country were so mentally impaired? I don't think so. Now, let's take a look at something to contrast this with. Let's talk about a kind of a person, an occupation, that virtually every American encounters at least once every few years. Many of us encounter them a couple times a day. Let's talk about what it takes to be an airline pilot. The actual legal certificate is called the ATP, the Airline Transport Pilot Certificate. And I'm not going to try and do this from memory, so let me explain to you what is required of you in order to be able to sit at the controls of an airplane and fly passengers for money. You have to be 23 years old or older. You have to be able to speak, write, and understand English. You have to be able to pass a first-class medical certificate. What does that consist of? Well, every six months, you have to show that you have 2020 corrected vision distance. You have to pass a hearing test. You can't have any ear, nose, or throat issues. You can't have any history of mental illness. Your blood pressure must be 155 over 95 or lower. And you have to take this test every six months. In addition, you have to have your uh, commercial rating, your instrument rating. You have to have 1,500 hours of total flight time. You have to have 500 hours of cross-country flight time, 75 hours of instrument uh, ratings in part of that can be in a simulator. You have to pass the written and oral exams. And that's just in order to get the license. That's not what you need in order to fly uh, a commercial jet. That's what you need in order to be hired by an airline to learn how to fly a commercial jet. Because in addition to that, once you have your ATP, then you go and apply at an airline, and here's what the airline's going to require of you. Once a year, every 12 months, you've got to go for a line check. You've got to go fly with 
senior instructor in the airline, seasoned professional, who's going to basically make sure you still know how to fly the airplane. In addition, every six months, they're going to put you in the uh, simulator and they're going to give you scenarios that are so stressful and so unbelievably complex that they essentially could never occur in real life. But simulator training allows you to make your mistakes without actually killing people. So every six months, you got to go in and do that. You also have to study crew resource management. Let's talk about that for a second, by the way. Have you noticed that there has not been a major airline accident in this country, as I write this anyway, since 2001? That's 21 years without a plane crash in this country. Remember when they were happening once every couple of months? Why isn't that happening anymore? Well, first of all, we already figured out where most of the uh, fatal mistakes are. But one of the big reasons why we have such an, well, we have a perfect safety record in, in US major airlines in the United States. It's perfect, 40,000 flights a day for 20 years. There's something going on right here. And what's going on right, one of the things that made a big difference in that accident rate is what became known as uh, cockpit resource management. In other words, used to be that the pilot, who was probably a, a, a kid who flew B-17s or B-29s or something in the war, in the early days of the jet age, the captain was God, and he simply commanded where to go and so on. And the co-pilot would nod dutifully and check his watch and try to figure out how much time it would take for this guy over on the left to keel over so that he could get into the chair that he belongs in. And many, many times, captains would make bad decisions, and it would take not only the captain with them, but the hundreds of people behind him as well. Until finally, we realized, you know what? Let's do this a little differently. Now, the pilot and the co-pilot have to agree. Think about that for a minute. They have to agree. And if the co-pilot sees something that the captain doesn't like, or the captain sees something that the co-pilot doesn't like, he's not just allowed to ask questions, he's required to ask questions and to stop a procedure that the pilot might be making that the co-pilot thinks is unsafe. In aviation, we have a pretty simple thumbnail for this, and that is that whenever you fly with another pilot, the most chicken pilot wins. Whatever guy is most nervous, that's the advice you should take, and that's why we don't have any airplane accidents today. But don't you think that would be an interesting way to run the country? Isn't that essentially what the office of the vice president is supposed to be? that the president and the vice president, both of them experienced people capable of thinking, capable of thinking on their feet, would combine their uh, experience, their intuitions, their knowledge, all of this stuff, in addition to the other members of the cabinet, and come up with a rational, reasonable agreement on what the best course of action should be. There was apparently a lot of agreement on what the best course of action should be in terms of leaving Afghanistan, but Joe Biden had a public relations deadline that he wanted to meet, and we all know how that worked out. So all of this to say simply this. When you listen to the requirements necessary for every single one of the tens of thousands of men and women who fly airplanes for a living, you realize that I want you probably want to. I want that kind of rigor in the guy that's flying the airplane. I want him to have a medical every six months. I want him to have a minimum number of flight hours. I want him in the simulator being trained out to handle twin engine failures while you have a radio failure and a, and a fire in the back of the cockpit. 
I want the pilot and the co-pilot to agree on everything on a nice sunny day and when you're flying through ice and snow to a landing when you can't even see the runway. I like this idea and I am comfortable flying on an airplane that has those kind of requirements for the pilots. But now, if you think about it, the entire country, all 330-something million of us, are being steered by two people up in the front of the room there and neither one of them can think on their feet because neither one of them can think they're both idiots and the people below them are idiots and the people trying to explain their behavior are idiots. They are mentally incompetent. And I think the idea that this is going on, that we can have this kind of rigor for people flying an airplane, but not this kind of rigor for people flying the country is just plain insane. It's insane. Shouldn't apply just to Democrats, obviously. Should apply to everybody. The president of the United States should have to take an annual cognition test. And those results need to be public. And, and that's all there is to it. Because anything less than this is just plain stupid. And stupid people can't think on their feet. They can't think at all.